Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Well, hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes. Episode number 88. I can't believe I've got it right. This is a ripping start to this podcast. We're churning them out left, right and centre. I've been excited this week to join you from the Grange Golf Club in Adelaide for the High SBS Hand Women's Australian Open. I've been really excited all week, but I am joined by Michael Clayton at some point when he puts his headset back on, but <laughs> I am next level excited for our co-host tonight, one of my all-time favourite golfers and uh, human- humans, actually. I mean that literally. Christina Kim, welcome. Hi. the very shy christina kim welcome again thanks so much for having me easy sorry (laughs) it's quite right i know you're a bit stage struck by the you know oh i'm I'm starstruck with this this whole this whole this this whole production is just oh it's next level the professionalism it is isn't it absolutely yeah this has been great (laughs) speaking of professionals are you going to turn professional podcaster one day mike clayton no 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 I'd say based on that, it might be a good idea. <laughs> Christina is, though, a professional podcaster. She's going to start her own podcast, which... Maybe one day. No, Maybe on. one day. Yeah. Uh, I'm tipping this is up your alley. Not the inside the ropes necessarily, but, you know, you are built to podcast. I don't, well, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. Is you're entertaining. <laughs> Maybe short for a word now and again, but generally, largely speaking, entertaining. Now, Christina, you, you, you're joining us today because, um, well, let's be, not beat around the bush. Unfortunately, you missed the cut. Clates, oh. Clates was devastated here last night. We, he was inconsolable that you'd missed the cut. Yeah, about that. I had the most <laughs> unbelievable par on 16 yesterday, though. Sniped it into the woods. Apparently, there are trees out on the golf course here in Australia. Found a couple. <laughs> shanked it into a bunker, but got up and down from 90 yards out of bunkers. You know, highlight of my week. There you go. You know, um, No, it was... Uh, it was I don't know what it was. You know, I just really, really wanted to play well here. I love the uh, uh, ISPS Handle Women's, you know, Australian Australian Women's Open. It's just such an important event to me. And, you know, anytime you step into a national championship, whether it's your own or another country's, like, it just takes it to the next level. And so everything that Golf Australia has done, everything the LPJ has done, ISPS Handa, everybody has been so great and just really brought this to a, ne- to a new level that it's been, you know, something that you just really want to have you know, another, you know, you want it, you really want it. So, yeah, I just kind of got in my own way. And I, I mean, I hit it like a champ and putted like a chimp. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's a story of my life. Did you, did you take note of how well Christina sort of, you know, notified all the sponsors of their, you know, importance to the community and, and take a, you know, leaf from her book and perhaps go down that corporate route at some stage, Clayton? Hey, hey, hey. Not corporate. Corporate? I'm just fit, not your, well, you want anything but corporate. She's I'm just making sure. No doubt co- very good at promoting the LPJ. Does a tremendous job of it. Best ever. You, oh, c- can I just talk about you in Australia for a start? Australia. 
<laughs> How many times have you been to Australia? You know, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I think it's close to a dozen times. Um, you know, I, it's hard to believe, you know, I'm, I'm, I look so young, but this is my 17th year on tour. And so I've been coming here from, I think 2010 might have made my first year here. And you played Commonwealth then. When was that? Yeah. 2008 or was that? Oh, maybe 10, it was nine? earlier then. I don't know. I've been, I've, but yes, Commonwealth lot, was yeah. was my first time here. Is that the one Yanni oh, one? I think it was it was a skinny year, so it might have been 09. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think I think 09 might have been my first year. So yeah, about 10 times here, 11 times. I just I love it here. the The culture is fantastic. The people are great. The food is phenomenal. It's next level. The golf courses are unbelievable. People drive Utes. Like it's, it's <laughs> there's no there's nothing bad about Aussie here. I mean, other than every single animal trying to kill you, you know, which is I could I would I would too if I could. You'd kill us if you had a chance? Um, if it's d- eat or be eaten, yeah. Like, it'd be awesome to, like, have some venom just pop out or something. <laughs> I saw a, t- a statistic today. There was something like 40 deaths from snakes last year in America. It was, a, it was on a, a golf club atlas. It's a golf architecture geeks website. Some guy came down here and was talking about how paranoid he was about the snakes at Cape Wickham. Someone else produced a statistic, 40 deaths from snakes in Australia last year, 1,000 in America. Is that right? Yeah, some, some crazy statistic about how many people died from snake bites in America. And all you ever hear about is people paranoid about snakes in Australia. Is that euphemism? They come here. <laughs> it could well be. <laughs> You've got a lot of ties to the Southern Hemisphere generally. You know, New Zealand's very you know dear in your heart, obviously. I... I I say to you, as one of your biggest fans, as a human, as I said before, you're the best traveller I know. <laughs> not, not because you go to all, so many of your peers, come to a place, go to the golf course, go to a hotel, go to a restaurant, go to the airport, and, and bugger off. That's not the Christina Kim method, is it? Well, I mean, I'm not here to you know speak on anyone else's behalf or judge people or anything like that. But you know, I mean, I've. I, you know, if you were to talk to a lot of these kids, once they get to, you know, my ripened old age, you know, I'm sure they'll understand, you know, how important it is to see the world and, you know, immerse yourself in different cultures, experience different foods, make yourself uncomfortable, things like that, because it just kind of brings a richness to life. I, I just, but I've always, I've got, you know, I've got a wanderer's heart. I love to travel, love to see different things. I love to find, you know, the you can sit there and just find the beauty in anything as long as you open your eyes to it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like compliments. This is kind of weird. <laughs> Did you um, find the beauty in Mike Clayton's caddying in the last two weeks? Oh, my God. It, honestly, this has been, like, and it's it's weird talking about him, not to him right now, because he's, yeah. like, sitting right next to Let's us. Let's pretend he's not there. Yeah. Um, no, it's been, honestly, this has been one of the best trips, regardless of, like, my scores. Like I, like I said, I've been hitting the ball great, um, just clearly way too many times. But I've been hitting the ball great, uh, putting around like, you know, I'm not even – human but you know just having Mike on the bag has been just remarkable the last couple of weeks you know just all of his stories everything that he's been telling me everything that you know he's just picking his brain about you know just the game of golf itself you know where it's been where it is where it's going what he'd like to see for the future and you know just he's such a world he's lived a thousand lives and it's just you know just trying to be able to go in and just get a glimpse into, into even one or two of them has just been remarkable. Did at any stage you need to fill a divot or get a yardage or anything like that and look around and find Mike on the ropes talking to someone else? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> 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 no, 
No, I'm going to confirm that just for the record. No, no, no. Mike, Mike was awesome. He, oh, he, he, he was awesome. I mean, I'm just devastated that we're not playing over the weekend here, especially since he's the, the, the mastermind behind the redesign of this golf course. But, you know, it's just it's been a it's been an experience of a lifetime. And yeah, uh, I promise no more compliments. OK, cool. cool, cool. I'll just hey, hang it on you from here in. Sounds good. Sounds good. Come <laughs> at me, bro. Righto. We should get down to the business of why we're actually here for the next few couple of minutes. Anyhow, then we'll get back to silliness. We are here for the ISPS Hand of Women's Australian Open Clates, and we've been through three rounds now. Uh, Saturday evening, we're recording this, and we have a very familiar surname, if not Christian name, leading the hunt for an Australian Open title. Regina Ratchikova <laughs> is going to have a lot to answer for around the quarter dinner table if all goes to plan tomorrow, because she'll be the only one in, around that table who hasn't won an Australian Open. That is so not the answer I was thinking. That's <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. So that for those of you who can't decipher that, Nelly Corder is the third-round leader of the tournament here at the Grange. Uh, another superb round today, 67, highlighted probably by a near eagle on the last year. Hit an absolutely stupendous drive just under 300 metres down the 18th, came over the or at, right at the crosswalk, Christina. I'm not sure if you can put that in numbers for us. We best guess estimated at 296 metres, not yards. Um, next level, and she nearly chipped it in, and the crowd went absolutely bonkers, tapped it in for a 67. She's five under today, 12 under for the tournament, and this after going bogey, bogey, bogey to start her first round. So since the first three holes of the tournament, she's 15 under, which is phenomenal golf in anyone's language. She's three shots clear of Haru Namura, the 2016 champion here. Clates, um, she must, uh, if she's ever going to design a course, I reckon she's coming to you because she must love this, this Grange West. Virginia Ratchikova, by the way, is Nelly Cotter's mother, who was a great tennis player. Was she? What, what sort Jessica of... Jessica Cotter told me her dad had said, Mom, your mother could have been the best player in the world. She blew her knee out, I think, when she was... But they were... That Peter and Regina travelled together since they were eight years old. The only way you could get out of the what was then Czechoslovakia, was to be the number one male or female junior player. And they travelled together. and Three remarkable children, you'd have to say. We, Sebastian you, won the Australian yep. Tennis Junior Open last year. Yep. Jessica won at Royal Melbourne, I think, in 12 or 13? 2012. 2012. Peter won the Open in... I watched that. I remember Jessica, she was about... Remember, she was in the, she was in the stand. She was like six years old. Yep. Five or six years old. I forget the year. I probably should have done that it research. Was 97, maybe? 98? Ni 98. Yeah. Uh, we could see another kangaroo jump here tomorrow. Cause so she it would be a pretty remarkable achievement. She's trying to play that down, Nelly, that, you know, that she doesn't get grief. But we know that she has let on that they give her buggery around the table <laughs> at, at dinner time, Christina. So we need to see that kangaroo kick for a third time at an Australian Open senior level and obviously a junior level as well with the son. So... Uh, Nelly Corder, next level. I, 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 before we run, run down the board, we were looking at some statistics a minute ago, Christina, and uh, not only is she just a powerhouse off the tee, she's hitting, she's tied first in this field, 85.7% of fairways hit. She's missed six in three rounds of golf. When you hit it that far, that's almost unfair, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. There's, I... Yeah, well, it just about sums it up. I know it's a, you know potentially a strange way of putting it, but it sums it up no, pretty no, nicely no. because it's hard to beat from that far down the fairway in the middle. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, she's she's so long off the tee because she's got those long, beautiful limbs, and she's so tall and is able to generate so much power and speed. But she has the ability to shape the shots and keep it in the fairway, especially with the way that the winds have been whipping the last couple of days. Could she be a better player than Jessica? 
I'm not going to lie. I don't know enough about mm. um, Nelly's, you know, she's in her second year on tour. It's it's really, really hard to say. But if it's any, you know, any indication based on just the genes that she has in her family, I, if, I don't know how you can. I mean, it could be like a Venus and Serena kind of thing and just yeah. maybe interchanging one way or the other. But they're both, I mean, the whole, again, like you said, the whole family is just remarkable. Some uh, interesting followers out there today. Clayton was one lad about, I'd say, about 23, making this magnificent song, really complex, inspired by Cooper's uh, Cooper's Brewery. The original Pale Ale might have been going, Hey, Nelly, you make my legs go jelly. Uh, and she's, I don't know if she was enamoured of it or nervous by it, or nervous around it. Um, 21 birdies she's made, so seven more birdies than the next. Is that right? Yep. When did you start bringing stats to this podcast? I love he just glossed over the fact there's a guy <laughs> trying to shoot his shot. <laughs> 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 I would have walked right by that too, though, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair enough. How about you bringing stats to this table? Yep. Huggy told me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the... Like you said, seeing you blokes have been over there playing golf at Royal Adelaide all afternoon, <laughs> you better know that Nelly Quarter's made 21 birdies, which is in three rounds is amazing. That's a lot of birdies. That's a lot of birdies. But if, if you hit it that far, you don't have too much left. You can kind of get up near the par... Well, the, the par five... Well, the par fives are five and 13 are long holes. Depending on the wind, yeah, yeah for, sure. The wind, but, for sure. You know, 10 and obviously one are reachable, but... I'm going to quickly run down the top 10 before we talk about you guys and what you've done today. Harun Amura, as I said, three back at nine under. Uh, Wailing Shi had a not-so-great round today. Two over 74 to drop back to eight under, and she shares third with Jody Hewitt-Shadoff, who made a great birdie to close her round of 70. Um, but the big mover of those who are tied third is uh, my Ruffy for the tournament, Zhongen Lee, six. Uh, she... Lit up at the start of the back nine. In fact, played the back nine in 32, a round of 67 today. Uh, she's got six, she's ranked 64th of those still in the field. So there's only uh, six players worse than her in the putting stats this week, Christina. And um, I don't know how much you've heard about her play on the KLPGA, but I think she's going to be a force this year. And this is her first uh, tournament as a member of the LPGA Tour. She had uh, hopes to make the cut, which I think were a bit understated. Uh, she adjusted them to the top five. Uh, maybe she could readjust them tomorrow and follow in the steps of Jin Young Ko, who is uh, one of the group at six, uh, tied sixth at seven under alongside Bronte Law and Yu Lu uh, from China and rounding out the top ten. Miram Lee, who we've got some statistics about her in a second, will blow your mind. Moria Jatanagan, who shot 70 today. Elena Sharp, who's had the most roller coaster ride of anyone here this week, to also be six under. And our own Hannah Green, the leading Australian at six under after a a round she'd rather forget. Don't, didn't hit many fairways today, which is remarkable the way she normally strikes the ball. And just one other quick mention there, um, Sarah Kemp. We might come back to her in a minute too. But she's the next one of many at five under, a tied 13th, and she's playing her way into a future. And what a ripping human she is too. Like, she's a beauty. I'll talk more about her in a second. But for now, I want to talk to you two about what you got up to today because uh, perhaps the only benefit of missing the cut is you get a chance to go and experience something else and you did something plenty of others would kill to do we went to Royal Adelaide beautiful golf course played with Duncan Christina's boyfriend and caddy for Sue oh, we had to console Sue she she had a <laughs> she was she had a drop today <laughs> yeah she was she was good I'm have she, to call Duncan up here to help me in a minute she was a little <laughs> depressed about the state of her game and we kind of 
I was out driving her, which really made her mad because normally she hits it past me. And yeah, and I was out driving was, you. Which you were out driving me, and I was out driving her. And <laughs> Duncan was like 60 yards ahead of all of us. And you know, we played Royal Adelaide, which is a beautiful and tremendous condition. Lots of you know, the third hole is one of the great mm. short par fours in Australia. 14s might be the best long part, one of the best long par fours. 11's kind of the iconic. 14's the one back on the other side the of the road. Right, yeah. 11's kind of the iconic hole into the crater. So there's, there's been a lot of history at Royal Adelaide and it's a tremendous club, beautiful clubhouse and it was a thrill to go and play there. We're blessed, aren't we? Like the courses that we have at our disposal. Oh my gosh. Just, and all the courses are, I mean, because, you know, I mean, everyone always talks about the Sandbell golf courses, which are world class. There's no question of that. And to have such a small section of, you know, the state of Victoria to have, you know, some of the world's best golf courses in and of itself is remarkable. But to come out here, you've got obviously the Grange here, both courses out here. You've got, um, you know, like we played Royal Adelaide today, Kuyonga, which we played last year and we'll be visiting again in a couple of years, hopefully. You know, it's just Australia has some of the most unbelievable golf that anyone would ever see. And, you know, I just I wish that America kind of understood the fact that you can play golf like golf doesn't have to be that lush sticky dark black green grass you know you don't have to have the four inch thick rough you can have you know utilize like the land that we have have rolling fairways run thing run run your fairways into the bunkers so that the bunkers actually come into play and you're not just you know worried about oh i'm in the rough past the fairway but short of the bunkers you know i just think that having firm grass or firm ground Playing the ball up, playing the ball down, hitting nine—you know—being able to hit nine shots with every club is so important that we don't really do that as much as I wish we would in the states. You know, everyone now is just, "I'll oh, just hit a high draw and you'll be able to get to any sort of shot." Whereas it's like out here, you're like, "Well, I can hit, you know, like I can hit like a high draw with my hybrid to, you know, hold it up against the wind if you're like, you know, 188, 195 yards, or you can take your four iron, chase it up there as long as there's nothing short, you can run it up 30, 40 yards and have, you know, just so much playability and creativity on the golf course, which I just love that I'm able to sort of showcase some of that while I'm here in Australia, you know. So you play with your vision rather than what the golf course is telling you? Uh, no, the golf course tells me what I need to do. You know, it's like I'm not going to sit there and say I have to play a high draw because that's all I know. I, I sit there and, you know, I'm standing on the tee and it's like, okay, well, the, you know, there's a bunker short right, which means that you should be coming in from the left side of the fairway to open up the green. Wind is doing this, you know, so I have to do this in order to make my ball finish over on the left side of the fairway so that it'll open up the green. And then, you know, let's say if you have a straight shot into the wind there, then just knock it down, chase it up there, you know, as opposed to just hit a high draw, you know. And for those who have never been to Adelaide, and that's, you know, quite a lot of people in Australia, and hopefully a lot of people in the U.S. in particular listening to this uh, with your involvement, but around the world, Adelaide's far from hilly. I mean, the, the topography around here is relatively flat, isn't it? We're not talking mounding that's, uh, you know, crazy high, crazy low, like some of the coastal courses in Scotland. Yeah, you know, it's not, you know, we're not scaling mountains or anything of that sort here. You know, we're, it's, it's relatively flat. You've got the foothills um, that are not too far away. And it actually reminds me a lot of where I grew up in Northern California. You know, I grew up very close to wine country um, in San Jose, where you get all the great wines from Napa. You've got, you know, all the wineries here in, you know, in Adelaide with, you know, like the Barossa Valley and all the, you know, just the incredible, le like, region. And you've got some of the best food on earth here. Like, I don't, I, I mean, I, I spoke with um, Darren Thomas, who we were fortunate enough to play with in the pro -Am. I just said, what is it? A, he owns Thomas Foods. I said, what is it about just the food here, everything is so good. You can taste the sunshine and the tomatoes. Like, everything is just beautiful and vibrant and rich, and you can feel you feel yourself getting the vitamins that you're supposed to get, you know, whereas in the States, it's like, oh, let's just, you know, 
fill this up with some water or something, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I'm, again, I'm not like bashing on America. It's just yeah. such a different, it's just so different. But yeah, I mean, Australia, you guys are so lucky to get some of the golf courses you do. And Adelaide is, I've said before, and I will probably come at me, but I mean, I've said before, Adelaide is my favorite city in Australia because it has so many of the wonderful things about Melbourne, including the culture and the diversity and, you know, the, you know, sort of like just the kind of, you know, quirkiness of, you know, just hipster people and this, that, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And it has like a big city vibe when you're downtown, but in a small contained area. You've got the beach within a half an hour. You've got the foothills. You, you can do almost anything that you want within a short period of driving and it's just it gives it you have the opportunity to do so much you'd be rocking the fringe festival too wouldn't you oh yeah those are my people <laughs> let's get weird <laughs> Clay, Clay, what? he's joining me well, <laughs> I, I, can really? see, I can see you in the garden yeah. of no return or yeah. whatever it is garden yeah. of uh, unearthly delights get unearthly it right. delights what's the other one over the road gluttony, gluttony. oh yeah that oh, sounds yeah. like me yeah it's like in parentheses it's just aka christina kim <laughs> Where are you going to be hanging out during the Fringe Festival, Clay? Not sure. We've got dinner tonight at Vietnamese, and then we're out here tomorrow. So, Let's go back to the golf. What do you like about Royal Adelaide that catches your Royal eye, Adelaide? other than those holes that you mentioned? Where does it sit with the other two that are on the rotor of the Women's Australian Open right now? Um, I like the way Royal Adelaide goes in and out of the flat ground. There's some flat ground that's not very interesting in the first hole, but the second kind of gets up into that little rise, and then the third hole's back in the June, three and four. Five out in the flat, then six back up into the green on the dune. And so they use the, you know, like you're playing a stretch of holes through really good land, then you're playing a whole bunch of holes in a row on the flat land. It works in the in and out of the, the flat with the undulating land really well. And, and the good thing about golf in Australia, talking about Christina's point, was that the best clubs in Australia are willing to have tournaments, mm. whereas that's not mm. true in America. Well, you know, when they played the, we're talking about Chicago Golf Club today, which is one of the great club courses in America. They played the Senior Women's Open there, but 125 members, very private. Go there, no photos. Mm. You know, it's just not a place that's going to host professional golf. Whereas in Australia, every, every one of the best courses in Australia wants to hold pro golf. So when people talk about great Australian courses, it's because pro golf goes to them all, mm. and they're and all e- and they're all eager to hold tournaments. And we're aware of them. Yeah. So it's not like a place. That, I mean, they go into the LA Country Club to hold the US Open. I think in 22 or three. I've never resisted the attempts of the USJ to take the US Open there for 50 or 80 years. Mm. Says no, we're not interested. So finally they're going there, but I mean, you can't imagine a place like Royal Melbourne ever saying no to a tournament. No. Or Kingston Heath or Royal Adelaide or, or Queensland or Lake Karen up where they're playing, the men, the, the men are playing this week. So the great thing about Australian golf is the willingness of clubs to hold tournaments. And what did, what, did, what did you make of the drama that some of the, the boys caused around the US Open last year at Shinnecock? In, you know, with respect to what you said before about runoffs and hard areas as opposed to six inch of dark green rough what did you make of that i'm you know i'm not gonna lie as as a professional golfer myself i and as someone that tries to maintain a level of empathy with all parties involved i can kind of see where some of them were getting a little bit of a strop going you know saying it's not something that we're accustomed to it's not something that they're used to this and that and i'm sitting here and i'm like all right but homie like you got like a sand wedge in your hand yeah. Like, yeah, that green's hard, but just because you have a sandwich in your hand doesn't mean you have to be going at that flag. You know, it's 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 the you know, being one of the four majors in golf, the US Open and the USG, I think, you know, they've been trying to 
you know, and, and whether you agree with it or not um, is neither here nor there. I'm not here to change anyone's mind, but, you know, it's supposed to it's supposed to stress you out mentally as well as physically. You know, it's supposed to, you know, give you the opportunity to hit those miraculous heroic shots, but at the right time. You shouldn't necessarily be, you know, I, I don't know if you're supposed to be thinking 54, you know, when you tee it off at in, in, a, in a U.S. Open just because of, you know, the, the storied history and, and, you know, all the traditions and what have you. And it is a major championship, so it is something that, you know, it should be one of the greatest tests of golf, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, now don't, don't, don't double hit your, don't stop hit. It, it, look, the Phil thing, just, no. <laughs> I'd love no. to hear you call Phil homie to his face. <laughs> Oh, can that be? That's my one wish in golf. It's that's on my podium. I see they're writing about Phil again. When you know, he won at Pebble Beach. Phil is Phil going to win the U.S. Open finally? I mean, mm. come on, he's 48 years old. I mean, how many guys have Julius Boros? That was it, mm. 968. I mean, it hasn't been done in 50 years. Someone over, but Nicholas at 46. 46. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Well, and, and Pebble Beach in February is not Pebble Beach in June. Absolutely, yeah. I'm going to wrap this section of the podcast up before we move on and just say that Duncan. And Mike got the chocolates today over Christina and Sue. Yeah, bad guys won. Dunk B, the first three holes, which was the match was over yeah. on the fourth tee. 54 watch, we were told. 54 watch, he just confirmed. Yeah, and then he missed a green, and then we're like, oh, yeah, we're all back to oh, reality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so moving back to the tournament here, I brought up Sarah Kemp before. Christina, I, I don't know how much you've had to do with Sarah, but she basically essentially lost all status on the LPJ Tour last year, yeah. and she's come back here with, you know, uh, can enter via our ALPG status at the Vic Open last week, and again here this week. She's facing one of the most, or she's looking at potentially one of the great re-ranks of any recent player uh, right now. Second last week at 13th Beach, and she, with a bullet today, is up to 13th, uh, share of 13th at five under. She's going to get a monumental re-rank in May if she doesn't, you know, what the bed tomorrow. Um what a great way to start the year. She's so fresh and bubbly about life. It's it's fantastic to watch. Absolutely. You know, she's she and I, we go back a number of years. I've known her for a long time, and we actually are uh, members of the same golf course in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, so we actually spend a, a decent amount of time together. And just like you said, she's always, she's always had that, you know, like the, that no drama kind of attitude. And she's just always so wonderful and, and tries to see the bright side in things. And so we actually had a good, we had a couple of really good chats this off season, um, you know, standing on the putting green when, you know, she's been wanting to grind and I'm like, hi, how are you? But, you know, <laughs> she's just been remarkable. And honestly, just that runner up that she had last week, you know, she made that Sunday cut on the number, you know, there was, you know, a, a, a player here that might've, you know, had a little bit of a drama on her 52nd hole. Maybe it was, or something like that, that basically got her and I yep. both into the tournament on Sunday and she goes out and just shoots a blistering seven under which we you know if you've known her you know that she's got that she's capable of doing that you know and it's one of those things where you look and you're just like you know it's not necessarily untapped potential it's more just you know you sit there and you're like just you know, just get out of your own way and then just if you could see what we can all see in your abilities then your whole life is going to change and I think that with the way that she finished last week you know finishing runner-up I mean she's got she's set she said she's basically kept her she's kept her LPGA tour card for next year in essence already. Correct. Just with that amount of money. So now she's just playing with house money. Like go buck wild. Like go for the crazy <laughs> shots. Do what you want to do. Like live your life. Just go after it. You know. And she's got the kind of attitude and the personality that I think would really thrive on that. I agree. Yeah. I found out something today talking to her. This is, oh, I'm going to write this story tomorrow. But what the hell? It's going on inside the ropes today. We're all about exclusives, Christine. Ooh. 
She told me, this is unbelievable to me, she told me that for the last four or five years she's been lining up the ball as so many professionals do these days with some form of line or the Pro V1 or whatever it is on the ball. And someone said to her in her camp, I'm not sure if it was her coach John Surhan or just friends and acquaintances and caddies around, that over six feet she was lining up that ball one cup length to the right of the hole, width. One, wow. Like her, her eye mm-hmm. was lining it up a full cup width right and she's adjusted that in the last few weeks and she said well, now I think about it every time I thought I pulled a putt it went in the it hole it went in the hole right so she's been putting cross-eyed basically for five years so it's no wonder she hasn't done anything she's lined up the ball better or her alignment better she's knocking him in the hole it makes a lot of sense well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to to an extent, it also depends on whether you're even a linear versus nonlinear putter. You know, because a lot of times if you're nonlinear and you're trying to put a line down, like I'm nonlinear. I don't I can't see I don't see anything straight. Like everything seems to like curve off to the left for me. But, you know, and I tried doing that as well, where I've tried putting with the line. I never feel comfortable over it. Mm. So, you know, like yesterday you know when i missed the cut i (laughs) but at the start of the round i just started putting with just the top of the ball where there's nothing on it it's Mm -hmm. just completely blank and my pace got better i felt more comfortable over it i didn't you know i I was it didn't look like i was getting electrocuted while i was going through my strokes or anything Mm -hmm. like that so you know there's a lot to be said for you know having that sort of exact science when it comes to something that is so you know field-based and artistic as when it comes to the short game you agree with that because i'd imagine you wouldn't be an advocate i'm a line i'm a a line banner Mm mm-hmm ban them where does that sit on your um the missions that you have in front of you uh, um, probably sits there right up with the sand buckets sand Sand buckets i haven't heard that one um (laughs) hang on what are we doing we're doing backstopping backstopping who's we we? i do not participate in this do not generalize no no, i meant we as in the royal we like him not even me not not you not anybody he's on a a campaign oh we'll put huggy in with you he's on the backstopping is just cheating absolutely Oh, you, oh, I would javelin well, my driver at someone if they told me to just leave the ball there. <laughs> I don't care. If I'm 50 yards out and someone hits it to three feet, I will sit there and wait for them. I'll tell them to go mark it. Yeah, it's cheating. Backstopping is cheating. Yeah. You know, Pace of play, my What? <laughs> you I, didn't finish the, I didn't finish the word. It's okay. Clay you watched yesterday. Go for it. You watched women play. The problem is, you know, the, the debate last week at the Victorian Open was, they need to set the course up easier so the women are hitting the same clubs as the men. The problem is the men should be hitting the same clubs as the women because women's golf is way more interesting to watch in terms yep. of the clubs they play and the, and the variety of shots they've got to hit as opposed to... I mean, it's too easy to say, oh, it's just everything's a driving a wedge. So that's not true. But when it takes Dustin no, Johnson... No, because it's two iron and wedge nowadays yeah. for the guys. <laughs> when it takes Dustin Johnson until October to hit an iron more than a, sit, more than a seven iron into a par four, there's something crazily wrong with the way the game is being played. It on, uh, so rank your top three... Uh, bugaboos? Yeah, bugaboos, crusades that you're on. Is it The three options, as I can see it, uh, ball... Well, the, the ball is one. Counteracting the ball by making narrow fairways and long grass would be two. Because that's not the way... Uh, that's along the line. Destroying the dimension of golf courses mm. to adapt the course to the to ball is completely the wrong way around. Backstopping, Backstopping and ball no marking good. and ball line uh, marking. The, the line, the balls, it's not going to go away. But I mean, they talk about slow play. I mean, it's, it, that's an, that's another contributor 
It definitely is that. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, part of that is all of these sports psychologists that are coming out these days, and you know they're telling everyone do this, do that, skip along and sing while well, if you're nervous or whatever. But you know they always say you know never don't don't ever hit until you're ready, which I completely agree with. They just never seem to preface it with get ready faster. You know, like beautifully put. I, when I was out there, you know, these last two weeks, like I hit my tee shot before the ball is stopped. I have an idea of it's going to be one of three clubs. I already know what I'm going to have in. And then, you know, then you go in there, you gauge everything. You know, you get your yardage before you even get to the ball. Like, I'm, I'm always first to hit. I hit it nowhere. I don't care. I know where I stand in that aspect. But I already know what club I'm going to hit before I even get to the ball. And then I go there. I double-check a couple of things, make sure I have my yardage right, look, see where the whole location is on the green, if I have anything written down based on, you know, just the, the topography of the greens. And then I go. Like, I'm ready before – like, I'm basically ready before I hit my tee shot what I'm going to do on the second shot. Mm. Chances are I'm probably going to two-putt at best on – once they get to the green, but <laughs> I'd the love problem to, I'd is love that I'd love to see. The problem uh, is that the more money they play for, the more that justifies in their mind. In their mind, that's take their time. Out. It's oh, complete. But I mean, Bobby Jones was as and Walter Hagen and were as tense playing golf as anyone today. The fact that they weren't playing for ten million dollars a week that made no difference. They were playing for the Open Championship Trophy, the U.S. Open, and Jones was playing for the Grand Slam. But it, it was around him three and a half hours. Amy Olsen today was out in the first group and had the best round of the day. 66 in the very first group out today. Delightful young lady from North Dakota. Three hours and 12 minutes she took to get around. By herself or in a two ball? No, in a two ball. Oh, good for them. 40 minutes. Th uh, 35 minutes under schedule. Well, Six, four, 66. Yeah. I mean, the two sort of go hand in hand a little bit, but... Oh, trust me, I can hit, I can, I can shoot 86 like lightning. <laughs> Don't give me that. I've seen plenty of people shoot way under par and take forever. A two and a half hour 86? Oh, yeah. It's in your cap capacity? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> it'd be a good day for you. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a ripping, it'd be a ripping day. I knew that was coming. It's, it took us, what are we, 30 minutes into this podcast for him to get his first cheapie over <laughs> my bow. Uh, let's just wind up a little bit on the on the leaderboard. A couple of uh, indifferent results from the Australians today. As we mentioned, Hannah Green went backwards. Uh, Sarah Kemp went forwards nicely. Kari Webb and Minji Lee both had one under par 71s and both sit at four under the card in total. Tied for 18th. They're close enough if they can do something special tomorrow, but there are a lot of players between them and the lead. That's probably the problem confronting the probably two biggest names in Australian women's golf. Uh, some other other... You don't think they're the two biggest names in Australian women's golf? Never said that. Oh, I thought you were going, oh, I thought you were screwing your nose up at that plan. Uh, Karis Davidson had a 73 today. Uh, had a lot of birdies, but mixed it with a lot of bogeys. Uh, Catherine Kirk had a one under, sorry, she had one, where is she? She's one over to, um, sorry. Shot two today. under today. Two under today. 70, around of 70 to be one under. I was just looking at Meg McLaren. Started off with a nine and made seven birdies, shot seventy three. That's absurd. That's a big number on a on a hole that's probably averaging four point three, I reckon, for the week. A nine. Oh no, I I go back and look that up. I don't think that number's right. No, you don't reckon not. that's right? No. Well, I'm going to go back and check the uh, check the stats on that. No, she made a nine. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm saying the scoring average on number one. Oh, number one. So it's um, I'm I'm out, but I'm not stupid out. It's four point six nine for the week and four point six nine six. Excuse me. <laughs> basically four point six four point seven, which basically is a five. <laughs> you next, round up to nearest half. Next door to a nine. <laughs> She's given back five point. Test your maths. Five point three oh four shots to the field there. Uh, uh, four point three. Four point three. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh God, what a muppet Good I try. am. Good try. 
Anyway, uh, which is, it wasn't a great hole anyhow, was it, Clay? Yeah, but what an amazing round after uh, that. Yeah, it really was. It's like the exact opposite of the kiss of death. So she's at a nine. She, came, she was obviously rounding 40 on the front yeah. nine, back in 33 for a 73. That's, uh, Seven birdies on the day. That is just remarkable. Not how to throw the toys out of the cot, Absolutely. 101. Absolutely. That's, that is a phenomenal round of golf. Uh, looking down the leaderboard, area Jatanagan. Um, I know she, th- she thrills a lot of people out there. She had a massive gallery today watching her shooting even past 72. And I know a couple of my colleagues came off and were wowed by it, even though it was only a 72. And I put that in inverted commas because I would love to shoot it myself. Christine, what, what's her story with the driver? She doesn't carry one. Three she does. Up. She does. It's just a matter of whether it goes into play or not. Okay. Um, they they joke a lot of times that she's she doesn't have the driver yips necessarily, but it's just she's so strong has so much speed that you know if you're if you're a little bit off with your path here or there, it can go wildly at you know like just way right way left. And her family they sometimes you know it's like you sit there and ask like how is you know how is May's day you know her her nickname and her mom will just look at you and like put her hands up and go oh Wi-Fi day. You know, like a Wi-Fi signal, and that's how she was hitting her driver. But, you know, as strong as she is, she doesn't even need a driver in her bag, which is just absurd. It's it's hard to... That was terrible, terrible podcasting (laughs) from me. I I told you this was amateur hour. It's hard to imagine that the world number one not packing a driver, isn't it? I I mean, I... Yeah. Well, well, Stenson, (laughs) Henrik Stenson basically played... Oh, with a three-wood. Yeah. In, that at, blue graphite, that graphaloy shaft. Oh, my gosh. But he hits his three-wood, I suppose, three as, as, as area does, well, I suppose, as far as. Yeah, they're massively long with their three-wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's just recap the top of the leaderboard. we better wrap this up in a couple of minutes. Uh, but just going back to the top, Nelly Corder, uh, as I said earlier, 67 today to be 12 under. She's a three-shot leader from Harunamura. Harunamura um, is carrying the the weight of the grandstand because Martin Blake tipped her at the start of the week. So you can almost stick a fork in her now, Blake. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Julian Lee, six. Jody Hewitt, Shadoff, and Wei Ling Shi at eight under. Still well in the mix. Four shots behind Nelly Corder. Uh, Jin Young Ko, the defending champion, alongside Bronte Law and Yulu at seven under the card. And then we go back to the leading Australian, Hannah Green, and a bunch of four at six under. And I did need to report that Jane Park was disqualified today. She fell on her own sword for signing an incorrect uh, scorecard. Self-reported the violation, came back. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing that she does that. Oh, unfortunate, but she won't be around tomorrow. So we are reduced to a field of 69 for the final round. Uh, Morgan Pressel um, is in that position, so I assume she's going to go around alone tomorrow with a marker. Um, Clates, you were about to... Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, it's just when you open your mouth and we're all poised, I sort of fell for it. It was a good fake. <laughs> Morgan Pressel, who is, what's the relationship with tennis there? Quickst- Aaron Crickstein's Crickstein, a yes. uncle or something? Or? A cousin? cousin I, something? A cousin or uncle. I'm not, I, I should know this better than okay. I do. Christina, before we go, because, you know, we, we, I, I can't praise you anymore, but I, I do like your thoughts on golf. If I could just let you alone in a room with administrators and you don't have any ramifications for what you'd say, oh, what, sweet Jesus. what would you say to them? If I, I'm going to ask this of many people, I think, on this podcast this year, but I'm, you're going to lead us off. You're a good lead-off hitter. Oh, well, why don't we ask Michael first? Well, let's, no. you've, already had, you've already had mine. Oh, and we well, know why, don't we, why don't we do a recap so I can hear what you present? No, it's all about the ball and, the, yeah, and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it to do with that? Is it to do with uh, young women in golf? Is it to do with um, equality? Is it to do with... Uh, Several schedules. things. Yeah, I mean, I think one of my big things would be 
finding a way for them to understand how incredible the women's golf product really is, especially to the average golf consumer. You know, obviously, you know, you've got your Dustin Johnsons who carry at 330 yards. You've got your Cameron Champ who hits it, you know, even further than that. But when you're out there watching an LPGA tournament, you can, or, you know, an ALPG event or, you know, Ladies European Tour or what have you, you go out there and you can see that you've got some of the most incredible women golfers in the world, which I hate to say. You just have the mo- some of the best golfers, golfers in the world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that go out there and they, you know, we're, we've got, you know, we play the courses, you know, from nearly the nearly the tips. You know, we play at, you know, 6,100 meters, something like that. It's pretty close to our average, maybe just over. But we put some incredible golf on display. And we do it because we love the game. And, you know, we're hospitable. We're interactive. We have fun. Like, it's just life is beautiful. Like, why why is it that, you know, and again, I mean, people can go with it and say, oh, it's because of TV ratings. It's because of this, that, and the other. But there's what's the root cause beyond that? Why is it that women are viewed differently? Like, I always joke, and it's, you know, sort of a half joke, but whenever I come across a man, he's like, oh, I respect women. I'm like, oh, right, because we're like, you know, clearly we're like cheetahs or something like that. We're not the same as, you know, just, we're not just humans. Mm. We're different, you know. It's not like you're going to sit there and be like, oh, you know, the male the male panther is just is just remarkable and the the female panther is she's okay you know it's not like that they're just panthers they're gracious they're graceful they're beautiful they're you know incredible animals like we are just humans first and foremost and so whenever someone says oh i respect women i'm like huh i'm sure you do buddy Mm. but that would be one of my big things and also just i don't know you know i think um making sure that you know when it comes to the you know the, the next generations of golfers for them to you know truly understand what it means to to play the play the game you know play the sport as opposed to sitting someone down on the driving range and just saying you know beat a thousand balls every single day and do this do that become a robot whatever whatever I think that one thing I love about this game that it's it's really brought to me you know partly due to the way that I was raised and everything was just you know to to showcase who you are as a human being and to really create golf and use it as you know enjoy it it's your craft it's, you know, your life's work. It's your art, whatever you want to call it. You know, paint 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 the sky with the golf ball or shape shots however you want as opposed to just, you know, the one same high draw or something like that. I think that it, like Mike said, it turns golf one-dimensional. And I think that if you're able to, you know, sit there and say, okay, here's one golf club. I want you to hit nine different shots, high, mid, low, right, straight, left with all three of them. Get each yardage, get comfortable with it. Then golf just becomes more fun because everyone's always saying, how can we make golf more fun? How can we do this? How can we do that? And it's, it's about playing, you know, it's not just beating balls out there. And also, you know, making sure everyone understands, especially this year where we've had, you know, how 31 rule changes or whatever it is, but just making sure everyone understands that they're, what the rules are, because one of the best things about this game is, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm going out to, to play a round of golf with like a potential sponsor or this or that, or, you know, I'm, make, I'm making friends with someone like golf, unlike, you know, you can go out to lunch with someone three or four times. All you're going to do is you're going to eat and you're going to talk. Whereas if you're on the golf course, you can sit there and be like, all right, well, someone, you know, they've got their ball in a divot. What are they going to do? Are they going to sit there and complain about the fact that they hit a perfect drive, they ended up in a divot, take it out of the divot and hit from just next to it and create their own divot for another person to do? Are they going to sit there and say, okay, this is what life's given me. How am I going to attack it next? You know, it teaches you. um, It's got so many great analogies to the way that life is. You hit great shots and get completely screwed, you know, or you can, you know, have a little bit of a blunder and get a little bit lucky. You know, life is like that. Life is not fair. Life is miraculous and amazing. And we, it, it is what you create of it. And I think that golf is an incredible metaphor, you know, or life is an incredible metaphor or whatever. They're the same. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, just, you know, you're, cut wa- this. you're warming to this whole podcasting. I, am, I don't know what I, I can. This is what I sound like. I can hear myself. <laughs> this is 
awful. Are you scaring yourself? <laughs> no, I'm not scaring myself. I'm just sitting there. I'm just like, oh, God. That was beautiful. Turn Ugh. it up. I'm going to ask you one last one. If I could offer you a pair of 68s here to this week to say you could still be playing, or you could do what you do after every round, which is sign autographs and pose for selfies and everything like that, and you could get 20 rusted on young girls to come and play for the rest of their lives, what would you take? Oh, you got to go a lot lower than 68, girl. Come on. To make it even, to make to even make it anything of of a, of a challenge. No, I mean I think, you know, the the best thing about this sport is that it's not about you, you know, it's it's about the future generations, you know, which is interesting because golf is such an independent sport and it's about you versus a golf course, this and that. But just like in life, you want to make sure that whatever you do, you kind of you try your best to impart like a positive experience for someone else. Leave it in a better position. Yeah, exactly. And that was what I was always taught when I first got my tour card, you know, back in the Mesozoic era. Um, <laughs> you know, I was always told, you know, you, you don't leave the tour until it's in a better place than you found it. And I was very fortunate that I came into the LPGA at a damn good time. So I'm not leaving until it's even better. You've been one of the best two Christinas we've had on this podcast this week. It's been quite remarkable. Well, I mean, if her name's Christina, I guess she's going to be a little fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Christina Kim, you've been a delight. Um, I can't praise you anymore. It's off. The, it's against the rules. So thank you. I'll just say thank you. You're Cheers. a bloody star in my eyes. You, thank hope, you, you know that. Thank you. Clates, you're reasonable Thanks, as well. <laughs> you're okay. I'm Mark Hayes. I'm the spud in the middle. Uh, that's been episode 88. We uh, we can't wait to bring you all the action from a big final round of the ISPS Hand Women's Australian Open tomorrow, live from the Grange.